You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. This is On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. Season 2, Episode 10, The Work. Julius Schacknow was born in 1924 to a poor Jewish family in New York City. I was just a Brooklyn kid, shining shoes. I used to curse my parents. I was just an ordinary, sinful kid. Then, while serving in the Navy after World War II in 1946, he had a life-changing experience, during which God spoke to him. He said, Julia, you will help close the world in your generation. Julius took this to mean that God wanted him to rid the world of evil and bring about the second coming of Christ. So he converted to Christianity and spent the next five years studying the Bible. His obsession with the apocalypse destroys one marriage, while a claim of infidelity ruins another. Around 1962, Julius weds his third wife, Joanne St. Beatrix. Like him, she is divorced with children. Together, they have three more of their own, and Joanne becomes central to his vision. Chapter 11 in the book of Revelations talks about two witnesses who preach for three and a half years, and then they're murdered and ascend into heaven. That's when the second coming of Christ was going to come. Brother Julius claimed that he and his wife Joanne were these two witnesses. He represented the Word of God and she represented the Holy Spirit. During the 1970s, a sect headed by Julius Schacknow called The Work began to grow and prosper in Connecticut. It would grow so large and so powerful that it was estimated at one point that its fortune was over $100 million. But like all groups that we cover on this show, all was not what it seemed. Julia Schack now has been accused of being a rapist, a pedophile, an abuser, and more. Here to discuss her time inside the group called The Work is Sarah Fika. Welcome, Sarah. Sarah, you were born into this group. What can you tell me about your family and how they became involved with Julius and the work? I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that dumb people get sucked into cults or closed-minded people or, you know, I don't think that's the case at all. I think very intelligent people get sucked into cults and conspiracy thinking because if you know anybody who's into flat earth, you know that they can keep you engaged for hours with the the facts and the figures that they've remembered. These aren't dumb people. They're, in fact, in many cases, I think, overly intelligent with overly active minds. So both of my parents, um, my dad came from a background of, uh, he was expected to become a priest. 
His family was Italian and connected, and he was always very well off. He never wanted for anything financially, but that wasn't enough for him. You know, I, I think that you can look to a lot of the myths like, you know, the Buddha was supposedly born rich and, you know, Timothy Leary and Ramdas were born rich. Um, so I think like not having to worry about material things or knowing that material things don't make you happy sometimes sends people off on a quest for something else. And I would put my mom in the same category. She was like a little Jewish princess. She had, you know, any college she wanted to go to, any, anything she wanted. Um, and sh both of them came from kind of like the suburban sprawl of Connecticut coming up through the 1950s when everything was perfect. And like many people in their generation, they got into the 60s and counterculture. And they were just beyond that. They're there was a movement in America called the Jesus People Movement. And I think that as the 60s wound down and my parents had explored psychedelics, they'd explored counterculture, they were still looking. And so they met each other. Um, my mom had a hippie head shop in Torrington. My dad came in, they met. He convinced her to close it and just go around with him searching and seeking and so they lived in a car for a while they went to yogi Bhajan. they studied um any kind of like transcendental meditation yoga alternative thinkers and i think that brother julius and the work just caught them at the exact right moment because they were in their they were in their quest they found him in Thomaston at the Thomaston Dam, which is a very beautiful, very inspiring kind of site as a backdrop. And he was doing baptisms and he was claiming to be John the Baptist. He wasn't claiming to be Jesus reincarnated yet. He was claiming to be John the Baptist and just here to tell people that Jesus was coming. So you know, that's, uh, that's how they got sucked in. I think they were very intelligent, um, studious. My father in particular loved studying spiritual books. I actually inherited his collection when he passed away and I got rid of a bunch of them that I thought were a little pat, like the Carlos Castaneda stuff. Um, and I can always get copies of those. He certainly didn't have lovely copies but i kept some of them and you know he was into what a typical friend of ours who's a hippie would be into he has rum das he has um i don't know very very conventional bettering your life and existential wisdom books when they joined the work what did that entail did they have to live on campus did they have to attend meetings I was one of the first kids actually born into the cult. For me, as a child, I'd say my life probably looked fairly normal uh, in terms of my routine. There was Sunday school for kids on Sundays and pretty much not much else. So my parents went to quite a few meetings all during the week and weeknights, and I would be babysat. I got older and 
I'm pretty book smart kind of person. So I got invited to adult meetings pretty early. There were kids around that were older than me. They were just people that weren't born into it. So uh, as I was probably hitting around 11, 12, 13, the, the group looked like most people living in their own houses. Um, a lot of people working for his businesses. And so he had a perfect racket going where he didn't have to pay for people's living, but he was able to pay them minimum starvation wages and keep all that money. And so for me, I'd probably around age 12 been going to a Sunday meeting, which would start early in the morning and end at night then a Monday night meeting after school, and that was for your astrological sign. Then a Tuesday night meeting would have been for people that needed more scholarly help. Wednesday night meeting was for intense study. Thursday night meeting was for intense study. Friday night meeting was for teenagers. And then on Saturday, there'd be whatever birthday or party to like keep you in the social group and uh it's kind of a it's kind of a uh a weird quirk and one of the things that made me first begin questioning julius was that he had me slotted into both the advanced meetings which i had to attend and the remedial meetings which i had to attend and i was like okay why do i have to go to both let's give people a sense of the time commitment involved some of the services people have mentioned would last 12 hours at a time. So were your parents working at this time as well as attending services? My parents didn't work for the group. Most people did. Yeah, most people worked for the group. He had a real estate agency, a construction company. So the real estate agency would buy the land, construction company would make houses, real estate agency would sell the houses, all of this for like slave wages, you know, minimum wage. My parents were both kind of trusty, trust fund kids. And um, so they had their own little hobby business, which I never think made money, but I wasn't really fully aware of what their financial situation was until I became older and talked frankly with my grandparents um yeah but i would see them i would see them give the leader envelopes filled with cash like every week so it would be like on a monday school you know what 8 a.m to 3 p.m then from like three to six homework and dinner and then from seven till midnight or 1 a.m there'd be your sun sign meeting the, yeah, the Wednesday and Thursday night meetings could go to like 2 a.m. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, sleep deprivation, pretty much. I mean, how do people do it when they have little babies? Can you explain for us, who was Brother Julius? The way that I wrote my book is I like to try to talk about things more if I can from the perspective of where I was at. Because you can, you can go do your own research on who was he, 
you know, his history, you know, he was a Jew born in Brooklyn. He joined the military, blah, blah, blah. I think that's, but, but for me, like being in it, he was God. That's what I was told. I was told he was God. By the time I was old enough to have memory, he had moved past his claims of being just John the Baptist, and he had claimed Jesus reincarnated. And by the time I was old enough to be even more conscious, he was the father and the son. So he would personality wise oscillate between one of three modes. There was the super boring charts, writing charts, mapping out blackboards with chalk, Bible verses, what he thought they meant, how they connected. And he'd go on ad nauseum sometimes for weeks on end. He would just get into this chart mode. And um, then at at a, a drop, he could snap into this like angry, vengeful God that he he was God almighty in in the flesh and he could pick you and single you out to be you know yelled at in front of everybody so that was always like in the corner of your mind that while he's doing these charts you never know what he could flip into like i would be careful if i had to co- if i was coughing you you would try to like unwrap a candy wrapper so quietly that no one would hear because you didn't want to draw any attention to yourself and try to like stave off that cough because the worst thing that could happen would be to attract his attention and his anger. And then he could just as easily flip into his Jesus mode, which would be crying and why have you abandoned me, God? and Those were the points where, um, for me, I I would sort of snap out of my belief when he would do that because I just felt like so cringe and so embarrassed for him, of him, when he would get like that. When that's happening, are people reacting with sympathy? Yeah, yeah. You mean specifically when he was the crying Jesus? Oh, other people around me would cry for him. And it was just so awkward for me because I felt like nothing but scorn. (laughs) Can you walk us through the top level beliefs of the group? The leader, Julius, was Jesus reincarnated. As far as women, he had a very traditional worldview. He himself went old school like old testament in the bible with multiple wives and concubines and at some point tried to get the whole church to do that didn't go over well but so so he had a very traditional view of women women should be housewives women should be mothers the entire outside world outside of his group was not to be saved God was coming back to destroy the world. We were going to be the only survivors. We were going to be his vessels of destruction, you know, helping to destroy the world. We were going to become like super powered. Anything outside of the group was sinners and 
Oh, so so I guess like the main belief was he was he was back to destroy the world. So it was like a doomsday belief. To unlock the rest of this episode, visit patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. It's only $5 to unlock over 20 hours of content.